All rise. The sports court of public opinion we call foul play-by-play is now in session. The dishonorable Anthony Variano presiding over this podcast, providing play-by-play and color commentary on foul play in sports, on and off the field, pitch, court, and ice. The attorney of record and my co-host today is Michael Haas of McClarity and Haas Law in Glendive, Montana. If you're a listener in Montana in need of a defense attorney, don't hesitate to call Mike at 406-377-2654. How's the job, Mike? Oh, it's going well. I had the pleasure of going to the state mental hospital this week, and they didn't keep me, so I'm happy. (laughs) You got out alive. That's fantastic. It could be worse than being in a mental hospital, though. You could be associated with The Ohio State University. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) It's nothing like one flew over a cuckoo's nest, so I was a little disappointed. Well, let's get to the headlines. Uh, Obviously, Ohio State football coach Urban Meyer was placed on administrative leave, uh, that's paid administrative leave, after former ESPN journalist Brett McMurphy obtained text messages and an exclusive interview showing Meyer knew in 2015 of domestic abuse allegations against his assistant coach, Zach Smith. Yet Meyer retained Smith anyway. The university has formed what it called a special independent board working group to investigate the allegations. Meyer said had he known of the allegations, he would have fired Smith in 2015 instead of last week after the alleged domestic violence was first reported. But Meyer and Smith go way back. Smith was Meyer's longest-serving assistant and even played for Meyer at Bowling Green before interning for Meyer at Florida, where Smith's first domestic violence accusation surfaced. According to McMurphy, Smith first physically abused his wife, Courtney, on June 21, 2009 in Gainesville, Florida, when she was 8 to 10 weeks pregnant. Meyer and his wife threw a party, celebrating Florida's second championship in three seasons. After the party, Courtney said she went home, while her husband went out with friends. Courtney said Zach returned home drunk around 3 a.m. with Meyer's secretary at the time, whom Zach called Baby, and pleaded with Courtney to let her spend the night with them after reportedly breaking up with her boyfriend. Courtney refused and drove the woman home, but upon returning, a heated argument allegedly turned violent, with Zach throwing his wife against their bedroom wall. That was the Smith's one-year wedding anniversary. Zach was arrested for aggravated battery on a pregnant victim, and Meyer said at Big Ten Media Days that he and his wife advises the Smiths to try counseling. A few days after the arrest, Courtney said two of Meyer's closest friends asked her to drop the charges against her husband and ultimately pressured her to do so. She did, thinking it would never happen again, a common mistake of domestic abuse victims. Courtney said she left her husband on June 6, 2015, but the abuse didn't stop until Courtney was granted a restraining order against Zach on November 10th. She filed for divorce two days later. Cleveland.com reports that Powell Police in Ohio visited the Smiths' home nine times in response to domestic disputes between January 1, 2012 and July 26, 2018. Courtney spoke frequently with Meyer's wife, Shelley, a nurse, about her abusive relationship, yet Meyer claimed ignorance of any abuse occurring after the 2009 incident. Meyer is all too familiar with allegations of foul play being brought against his football programs. During his time at Florida, Gator football players amassed 251 traffic citations, his best defensive player was suspended for a DUI prior to the SEC championship game, and freshman Aaron Hernandez sucker-punched an employee of a Gainesville bar, rupturing his eardrum. Hernandez also went unquestioned by police or his coach, despite being a suspect in a 2007 shooting that left two men injured with one shot in the back of the head. That attempted homicide remains unsolved. Meyer mostly avoided being moneyed by his Gators allegations because he had the good guy on his side. Not God, but a God-fearing quarterback so squeaky clean and contagiously charismatic he stole the spotlight, allowing his teammates to remain in the shadows. 
Tim Tebow was Urban Meyer's guardian angel. Tebow protected Meyer as he did the football. Meyer no longer has that protection, and the mud is being flung en masse. Meyer's battle for his job will be fought on two fronts now. While an investigation determines his knowledge of his assistant coach's alleged transgressions, he'll also have to address allegations of verbal and physical abuse brought by former Florida players. If his ignorance of his assistant coach's domestic abuse history since the incident in 2009 is confirmed or unconfirmable, Meyer could still lose his job if any of the players' stories are substantiated. If the Brian Colangelo Twitter scandal is any indication, Meyer's wife can't necessarily save her husband's job by saying she never told him about Courtney Smith's claims. Colangelo's wife took all the blame and her husband was still forced to resign. I imagine that's what's coming for Meyer too, especially with the players painting him as abusive just like Smith. What are your thoughts, Mike? Does Meyer have a leg on which to stand? Um, I think he's got a partial leg to stand, but I think I think you're right with a forced re- resignation. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for him to prove that he didn't know of his assistant coach's, I guess, domestic troubles. I mean, it's, it's funny to me that he'll make a statement um, that, you know, had he known, but then earlier he says, you know, he advised them to do counseling and whatnot. So I think he had a hint of what was going on. But then again, I assume him and his assistant, since it was his longest assistant, were uh, pretty close uh, friends. So I think it's tough and situations like that where, I mean, if I put myself in his shoes and let's pretend you're my assistant coach and I've known you your whole life mm-hmm. and you have a issue with your wife, I think it's going to be difficult for me to, I guess, get rid of you. Um right. When, when you're that close, I guess. Um, I think, I think it's former players. I mean, with, I mean, Aaron Hernandez, what a peach. I think just what his players did and what we're allowed to do, I think that should be, uh, what hangs him. But I think he's going to be pushed out of that system. Um, yeah, it almost seems like it's a, a collective effort in order to kind of oust Urban Meyer in Ohio State because uh, these uh, the the players' allegations came basically at the same time as the uh, McMurphy story regarding the allegations of him knowing of uh, uh, his assistant coach's domestic violence uh, since 2009. So, and this is this is a very easy way for a program to stay face then, which um, I always find funny when they try to throw one person under the bus when you know damn well all the funders for Florida football probably knew this was going on, but if you're winning football games, nobody cares. Yeah. Well, and what about all those kids that got recruited this year to play for Urban Meyer? And uh, I imagine we'll see an exodus of sorts from Ohio State to a bunch of other colleges. It it could very well be the downfall of Ohio State as a major power in uh, college football. Oh, I, I, I think you're right. I would guess for at least the next half decade, it's going to be tough. Um, I think it'll be tough for him for a while. Well, it gets worse. Uh, I don't even know if this story, I, I think this story is worse than the Urban Meyer story uh, because it involves a politician. But uh, retired OSU wrestling coach Russ Hellickson asked former Buckeye wrestlers to support former assistant coach and current U.S. representative Jim Jordan who they allege ignored reports of sexual abuse by a team doctor. Jordan is seeking to secede retiring Speaker of the House Paul Ryan if Republicans retain a majority in the House after the midterm elections, but he won't do it with the help from the two OSU wrestlers Hellickson contacted. They came forward early this year alleging former team doctor Richard Strauss committed sexual abuse and harassment, saying Jordan knew about it and failed to act when serving as assistant coach between 1986 and 1994. More than 100 former students have told independent investigators that they were victims of Strauss, who took his own life in 2005. 
While Strauss won't serve the time for his alleged crimes, Jordan could face similar charges as former Penn State officials Gary Schultz, Graham Spanier, and Tim Curley, who were sentenced to at least two months in jail for failing to alert authorities of Jerry Sandusky's molestation of young boys in 2001. Judging by the number of alleged victims in this case, however, it would stand to reason Jordan could be subject to an even harsher sentence if charged and convicted. Don't you think, Mike? I would agree. Um, I think this this is like Penn State all over again. Um, and I think your statements at the beginning are right. It's so intriguing just because it's involving uh, politicians and whatnot. Um, I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be punished pretty harshly. Um, God, it's just sickening how all these. God, it's a horrible time for college sports. Just with uh, these transgressions, I guess, of the last twenty years being brought to light. Yeah, the uh, the best thing that happened to Ohio came out of the ghetto and uh, built a public school with his own money. Uh, LeBron James. Meanwhile, Urban Meyer is uh, retaining an assistant coach who uh, he may or may not have known continued to assault his wife and. Uh, a team doctor allegedly uh, sexually assaulted 100 former students, and then there was a resulting cover-up by the OSU wrestling team and coaching staff. Yeah, it's a mess in Ohio State right now. It's probably the last place I'd want to be if, I mean, <laughs> that's the thing is, you know, once you're a Penn State alum, uh, alumnus, you are connected to Jerry Sandusky forever, you know, and that's that doesn't go away. Nobody really wants that stain on their alma mater. I know if something terrible were to happen to, you know, my alma mater, Montana State University, and yours as well, um, we wouldn't be too uh, uh, damn pleased about that. No, I think, well, it's it's sad we've been lucky that generally it's just drug allegations at MSU. Right. I think that's been our history for the last 15 years. Um, but no, I mean, with this cover-up and then, I mean, just with the added fact that the perp actually killed himself, I mean, it shows guilt this shows that they're so damn guilty of sin and oh god it's just disgusting how I, I don't know these sex crimes are just horrible it's a depressing story it is yeah it's been a depressing segment but that's the uh that's the news in uh sports crime this week yeah, welcome to ohio right uh the, the future speaker of the house may very well be uh in jail uh before he's able to take that seat uh, we'll be right back with uh, some fun stuff, you know, a little something we call Cheats of the Week. Welcome back to Foul Play-By-Play, Play, the podcast that brings you the week's cheats, cheap shots, and alleged criminals in sports. If you're new to the show, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Android Podcasts via email at foulplaybyplay.com or simply press play at foulplaybyplay.com. You can also get in touch with the show at Foul Play by Play on Twitter and at our Foul Play by Play Facebook page if you have evidence of foul play in sports you'd like the court to consider. It's time for everyone's favorite segment where we award the most foul cheats in sports over the past week in what we call Cheats of the Week. Winner of the Bronze Balls Award this week isn't even an athlete unless you consider crime a sport, and it very well could be in certain circumstances. In this case, the crime required a team of players led by ex-cop Jerome Jacobson, who rigged the McDonald's Monopoly game and won almost every prize for 12 years until the FBI launched an investigation and sting operation. The team of mobsters, psychics, strip club owners, convicts, drug traffickers, and even a family of Mormons defrauded McDonald's of more than $24 million in cash and prizes, according to Jeff Mache of the Daily Beast. I know how much you love the McRib, Mike, so did you ever get caught up in the McDonald's Monopoly game? Yeah, I love this story. Um, and I'm a little ticked off. I usually play it every damn year, and I can understand why I'm not winning the prize. Right. I wonder if there would be any refunds in order for people who are buying strictly in order to play the game. No, I know. That's 
That's hilarious. I love the story, though. Could somebody bring a lawsuit claiming that they made like you know three hundred, four hundred dollars worth of McDonald's purchases trying to win that game that was already rigged? I I think it would be a very difficult class action lawsuit. I don't think you could. I mean, lotteries have be, been um, defrauded before, and I didn't see. Yeah. I guess I've never heard of a claim being brought like that. Christ, it'd be hard enough to spend three to four hundred dollars on McDonald's food. It's good for you, though. <laughs> At least it's uh, never frozen beef anymore, right? Is... Yeah, supposedly. <laughs> All right, the silver syringe goes to swimmer and boozing bad boy of the Rio Olympics, Ryan Lochte, who was again banned from competition by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency until July of next year for receiving an intravenous injection of permitted substances in May. While the substances weren't prohibited, athletes can't receive IVs without an exemption or unless it's as a result of hospitalization. Neither was the case for Lockie, who incriminated himself by posting a photo to social media while receiving the IV, making him quite possibly the worst cheat we've mentioned on the show. Regardless of the U.S. anti-doping rules, can you explain why anyone would feel the need to not only photograph, but publicize their intravenous injection to the world? <laughs> That's the dumbest question ever, no. <laughs> I, mean, I don't understand why this moron did this, but... I mean, that is his, uh, I mean, that's who he is, though. I mean, he's been a bad boy, so. I, I don't know if he was, if he knew, he, he didn't know he was doing anything wrong. Uh, I know that. Uh, he was completely unaware, so. At least he didn't. No, I understand. Yeah. I understand that, but it's still, why the hell would you post that? Right. I mean, it, you must be posting just about everything that happens in your life if uh, if that's something that's worthy of social media sharing. Yeah. I think he knew he'd get some flack for it, and I think that's probably why he did it. Um, but I, I can't explain. Yeah, you're not going to be able to explain Ryan Lockie's actions. No, no. Our two-bit cheat of the week is Italian cyclist Gianni Moscone, who was kicked out of the Tour de France after punching a French cyclist in the face during the first 800 meters of Stage 15 last Sunday. This isn't the first time Moscone has been guilty of foul play, which brings us to our next segment, Historically Foul Play when we go back in time and relive foul play and foul players of the past. So last year, Moscone was suspended six weeks and required to complete diversity training after berating another cyclist with racist insults. Fresh off the suspension, Moscone was accused of deliberately causing Sebastian Reichenbach to crash, fracturing his elbow and hip. He was cleared of any wrongdoing due to a lack of evidence. And a couple months after that incidental accident... Moscone was disqualified from the UCI Road World Championships for being towed too far by the team car into a 29th place finish after a crash with just under 24 miles to go. I wish I would have known uh, about this Italian bad boy of cycling uh, before this week. I might have tuned into the Tour de France to see this foul play Tour de Force culminate in a scene straight out of the road rash, the video game. What would it take for you to watch cycling, Mike? I think it would take just this. Um, God, I haven't thought of road rash, the game, uh, God, it used to be my favorite game on the Genesis system. But yeah, Road Rash 2, definitely one of my favorite games of all time. But yeah, if you added this kind of violence to cycling, I think it would be hilarious to watch. But We Americans, but yeah, we just have to think, have our violence. Well, yeah. Um, God, but it would make it interesting to watch. Sad to say, I don't... I'm not the... Clearly, I'm not a fan of cycling, so uh, it just looks too painful. I think obstacles would be a good start. You know, instead of just road cycling, uh, put some all-terrain tires on those things and uh, make them go through oil slicks and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I think they kind of do that in the X Games. I mean... Uh, yeah, they do. 
when you look at those mountain courses they have to go through. But. Yeah, but I'll, I'll watch the X Games, you know, like I watch a few events, but, you know, I haven't watched the Tour de France since uh, Lance Armstrong probably last won it. And I've, I've never actually watched the whole day of, I mean, the race. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's going to sit there and watch it. It, it. I kind of feel like it's a <laughs> slower, you know, worse version of NASCAR. Uh, instead of <laughs> instead of the vehicle going 180 to 200 miles an hour, it's going, you know, 18 to 35. I never thought I'd hear Tony giving props out to NASCAR. Hey, you know, NASCAR, uh, it, there's a lot of people who love NASCAR in the country, and... Uh, it's fun. It's uh, there's crashes. There's danger. I think that's the one. You know, the one thing about uh, American entertainment that uh, is kind of like the cornerstone of uh, our entertainment industry is danger. There, you know, something <laughs> has to be at day. risk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we'll be back with more headlines uh, on the Foul Play by Play podcast right after this. Welcome back to Foul Play by Play, the podcast that covers the week's cheats, cheap shots, and alleged criminals in sports. Speaking of criminals, UFC's biggest star, Conor McGregor, avoided jail time by pleading guilty to a single count of disorderly conduct in an agreement reached with the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office on Thursday, according to Brett Okamoto of ESPN. The charge stems from an incident occurring April 5th at Barclays Center, during which McGregor was caught on video throwing a metal dolly and breaking the window of a bus carrying UFC athletes and employees. McGregor will serve no jail time, have no criminal record, and his travel visa will be unaffected despite facing 12 criminal charges related to the incident, including two felony criminal mischief charges and three assault charges. Those charges carried a maximum sentence of seven years in prison, but instead McGregor could return to the octagon by the end of the year, having paid restitution for damages, serving five days of community service, and completing an anger management program lasting one to three days. A potential lightweight title fight between McGregor and current champion Khabib Nurmagomedov could arguably be the biggest fight in UFC history. Nurmagomedov was the target of McGregor's actions in April. McGregor, 30, obviously got a good plea deal. Most people wouldn't get 12 charges dropped down to one misdemeanor in exchange for paying restitution, serving five days of community service, and doing a joke's worth of anger management therapy considering McGregor's clear anger issues. How good was McGregor's lawyer, Mike? I would love to meet the guy. He's a hell of an attorney. I mean, when you look at what he was charged and the act itself, which I just think is another, I think it's another thing to promote a great fight. But disorder, I can't stress enough, disorderly conduct is the smallest misdemeanor you can get. Yeah, It's right up there with, like, public nuisance, you know, having your stereo too loud and bugging your neighbors. Right. I mean, this is, and the, up to three days of anger management. I mean, I do a lot of, um, assault cases and domestic dispute cases. And you look at, I mean, generally you're looking at half a year of anger management. I mean, you got to do 40 hours generally, which takes you half a year in. Wow. So I love his attorney. Um, great work. <laughs> uh, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of cost are we talking here for a defense like that? Oh God, I'm guessing he got paid, uh, if not in the millions, at least the hundreds of thousands to make something like that just disappear. I mean, because he's essentially throwing money to uh, allow himself to keep fighting, which he's going to spend a lot, and then to not have to do any jail time. So I'm guessing he was probably close to uh, the millions. I mean, a million-dollar payday for this attorney. I would say he earned it. Speaking of earning it, Art Bryles earned a coaching job in Italy. Uh, while Urban Meyer might be on his way out, former Baylor football coach Art Bryles is on his way back into coaching. 
Browse is just two years removed from being removed as head coach at Baylor amidst the sexual assault scandal involving multiple football players committing crimes university officials failed to act upon after they were alleged. Seems to be a common theme. If Browse is any indication of what we can expect, Urban Meyer might be coaching in the NFL next year. With crimes as egregious as those committed by players Bryles recruited have him coaching again when two years ago most thought he never would, Meyer claiming ignorance of his co-worker's spousal abuse might not be a problem for, say, the nearby Browns. What do you think, Mike? Will uh, Meyer avoid reclimbing the coaching ladder if OSU fires him? I can't, I can't see him jumping into the NFL that soon. Um, just because of, I mean, we've talked about the NFL so much on this show. Um, I mean, they got so many issues themselves. I can't, I can't see him doing that. But I think, uh, I mean, the sad thing about when you look at the contracts. Um, for college coaches, I mean, they make NFL coaches look like they're not getting paid anything. So it is technically kind of a step down to actually coach the NFL as opposed to college. So except I for I think them. the job's easier. I mean, there's no recruiting involved. You just have to have you know a draft. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think the job is a lot easier. Um, but I can see him coaching in the NFL. I don't think it'll come within the next two years. But I think after time passes. And maybe not in the state of Ohio. <laughs> well, that was—he's huh? <laughs> done some bad things, but he's—I mean, Ohio State football was huge. I mean, <laughs> crisis. The guy has a winning I'm record. Gonna, as a, I'm not going to stick up. I'm not going to stick up for the guy. If he had a winning record with the Browns, they'd build a statue of him outside the stadium. Hey, hey, the, I'm rooting for the Browns this year. I, have, I think they're going to—I think they're going to go eight and eight. I've been rooting for the Browns every year. It's it's pretty easy to root for them. I mean, uh, you never really have to worry about them beating you. <laughs> yeah. So as long as they beat somebody else, you know, sure, why not? I'm behind Cleveland. I like the uh, the idea of their uh, their entire roster. Just the fact that you know they got a guy on there who can you know who played what 14 games, led the league in receiving, and was probably stoned most of the time. Um, yeah, with a quarterback who nobody can name, or maybe even multiple quarterbacks no one can name. Uh, yeah, they got some things going on in Cleveland that are interesting, that's for sure. But I'd say that yeah. I'd say that coaching job is uh, probably the hottest seat. I mean, if he, I think the over under for wins for them is uh, four and a half or five and a half. Uh, so I I think if he doesn't win six games, he might be on his way out. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just when you look at that roster, though, I mean, the amount of young, young talent that they've built up since, I mean, they've been trashed for so long. Their defense I mean, hasn't been trashed. Their defense is actually pretty good. Uh, they just, they've never had a guy who can throw the ball where it needs to go. No, I, th- that's what I'm saying is their defense is impressive when you look at the names on that. Um, but I guess we'll see. I, I'm predicting they win eight games this year. I, I mean, it's not going to happen, but <laughs> I got to excited somehow now put some money on it that'll get you excited <laughs> okay uh back to the midwest the uh, iowa hawkeyes will be without two of its starters for the first game of the season against northern illinois on september 1st due to alcohol related citations defensive tackle brady rife uh, was arrested for public intoxication in iowa city after mistaking a police cruiser for an uber and eight days later, offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs was ticketed for driving while intoxicated. I haven't spent much time in Iowa, but I imagine it's not as heavenly as Field of Dreams advertises. And judging from the damage left by vandals taking a joyride through the iconic field in January, 
There's evidence indicating a lack of entertainment options besides drinking and driving. Have you spent much time in Iowa, Mike? I've been to Iowa once, and I'll never go back. Did, um, did you go to the Field of Dreams? No, I did not. I went to watch. I had a cousin uh, who played college ball, um, and so I went to watch her play, and uh, the drive through the state is god-awful. I mean, I think it's I mean, driving through North Dakota is terrible. Right. Iowa just is and it's just flat, the occasional cornfield, and it's just depressing. It can't be as bad as Wyoming. You can go 100 miles oh. in Wyoming without seeing a tree. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I guess I, I always forget about Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's easy to forget about Wyoming. They're just, they're just basically the nation's uh, resource uh, state. Yeah, I do, I do have an issue, though, with those. Uh, law enforcement officers charging that uh, Brady Reef for public intoxication. I mean, that's ridiculous. He was trying to get a ride home, you know? He's yeah. doing the smart thing. Well, we don't know what he said either. Uh, so, I mean, I can understand in police cruiser, they get more and more looking like regular vehicles every day. I mean, these cop cars are getting harder and harder to spot on the roads, so... Exactly. Yeah, I could understand, you know, just a black vehicle to walk up to it thinking it's an Uber. Sure. Yeah, that's my, I mean, I guess that's the only point I was trying to make. At least he wasn't driving, you know, he was trying to do something safe. And right. I guess, yeah, could have possibly said some things to the officers, but. I wish we had some video of that. I, I, I kind of, I kind of hope that it, he just kind of went up to the vehicle, opened the door and sat in the back seat and they just drove him off to the jail. <laughs> <laughs> He thought he was going home and ended up in a cell. <laughs> this is the oddest backseat I've ever been in. <laughs> Why can't I open this door? <laughs> Can you roll down the window, please? <laughs> What's this cage for? This is the oddest hotel I've ever stayed at. <laughs> There's no damn leg room back here. <laughs> Jesus. Why are my hands handcuffed behind my back? <laughs> Coach is going to be pissed. <laughs> okay, final headline. One of your Dallas boys got away with another crime, Mike. Uh, Terrence Williams, who allegedly crashed his Lamborghini into a light pole and then left the scene of the accident, had a public intoxication charge stemming from the incident dismissed, according to his attorney. Williams somehow was never charged with leaving the scene of an accident, and the Class C misdemeanor is the equivalent of a speeding ticket requiring payment of a fine and completion of a state-mandated alcohol awareness education course, which Williams has already done. Not only did Williams avoid criminal charges, but his completion of the diversion course makes a suspension from the NFL unlikely, and even if he were to be suspended, it would likely come in 2019 and not this season. Uh, so does Jerry Jones just make a phone call to make this stuff go away, or what, Mike? I don't think Jones has to make any phone calls. I think uh, the city of Dallas tries to take care of its boys. In this instance, I wish they wouldn't have. I mean, uh, God, I miss Des Bryant. I've always hated Terrence Williams. We've always had, I mean, ever since the glory days of the 90s, it's just been painful to watch our receiving core. I mean, the guys we complimented Des with, yeah. like Terrence Williams, just so mediocre. Yeah, that's true. Uh, when that uh, Beasley uh, is your cross-the-middle guy, Boy, he's just, he seems just way too small to be doing that stuff. But I guess, I mean, the Patriots keep doing it with smaller guys than that. Yeah. But it's like I've told you, though, I'm slowly, uh, my allegiance is slowly moving to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, it should be an easy move at this point. I mean, they're title contenders for at least the next three years. They locked up their entire core uh, long-term deals besides Anthony Barr so far. They got pretty creative with the salary cap, too, in order to do all that. So I No, just... they've got a... 
they've got a tremendous team. Their defense has always been awesome, but their offense and they just locked up uh, Diggs. So I don't know. They're they're a fun team to watch, and they've got a lot of talent. And they finally have a quarterback, I think, who can who can win big games. Tied all together. I'd like to think so. Uh, I stand behind my word, though. I, I've said that uh, if the Vikings don't win a Super Bowl in the next three years, I will boycott the NFL forever. I'll just not watch <laughs> another game ever again. I, I hardly watch the Vikings when I do watch them. I mean, it's not a sport that I, I enjoy spectating, you know, even on... I'll say it's great live at the Vikings Stadium because that's the greatest stadium experience I've ever had. But uh, on television, God, there's just so many damn breaks and... Until they, oh, yeah. if they were to get rid of the kickers, go for it on fourth down, like all the time. Uh, I'd, I'd do that. I could watch that. That's why I'm excited about the XFL. You know, the the new uh, McMahon Football League that they're starting. They're bringing back the XFL, or something. I don't know if it's called that, but oh god, there's going to be two new I've, leagues. Yeah, I've never, I've never got in. I tried to get into the old league. I don't even remember what the heck it was called. The shorter field with the padded sidelines. So arena league. Funny. Yeah, the arena league. I couldn't get into that. It's just, I don't. Oh, you know, it's really I fun. Don't. I like the uh, the Canadian Football League because they've got wide receivers running towards the line of scrimmage in motion. So they get a running start at your defensive backs. <laughs> it's fantastic. Speaking of the Canadian Football League, Johnny Manziel is back, sort of. On Friday night, uh, the former Browns quarterback will make his first CFL start with his new club in Montreal against his old club. Uh, so he's looking forward to showing what he knows about his former team and exploiting it and hopefully scoring a job in the NFL. I hope he makes That's it. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, how can you not root for a guy who's, uh, who's struggled and uh, has recovered, it, it seems, and uh, is trying well, to... Well, no, and I was... I remember uh, that draft. I was so pissed off uh, as a Cowboys fan. I stupidly you wanted, I wanted to draft him, yeah. and thank God they didn't, but... Yeah, no. But no, I hope he I hope he lands on his feet. Well, it's not like he needs the money. It's just he wants to make good on his talent, um, what everybody thought he had, and you got to respect a guy for doing that. I mean, he doesn't have exactly. to work. He's taken care of, you know. So uh, he's obviously doing it for love of the game, or he wouldn't be playing in Canada. Yeah. Uh, some more good news: Eric Reed, fellow protester of racial injustice, is going to meet with the Titans and could end up with an NFL job, uh, which would really do a number on his collusion lawsuit against the NFL. I think that would effectively end that lawsuit, don't you think? I would, uh, yeah, I would think so. Uh, well, Although no, there is back pay happen. that he could be due. Yeah, I think I think the lawsuit could still progress, but um, I think it would definitely be a way for the league to slow it down and make it go away, is if he actually gave these people jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the show today. Uh, thanks for joining Foul Play by Play. Uh, we'll see you in about a week. Uh, get in touch with us at Foul Play by Play on Twitter or at the uh, Foul Play by Play Facebook page. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Android, or just simply go to foulplayboplay.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you in court next week.